we have with us a special guest who's going to come and open the word. And uh, Larry Powers is, um, he's come with Colleen. Larry, you can give him another round of applause in just a moment. I know you want to. Larry, um, Larry has become part of our Antioch family, and he actually is family. Colleen is, um, is John's sister, so Larry is his brother-in-law, and, and they have just, uh, they come literally, it's been every summer now, and just investing into our church, and I know that Larry has um, a passion for God's word, but he's a passion for our church as well. And so, um, would you welcome Larry with me as he comes and opens the word for us today? We love you. Good morning, Antioch Church. I love coming to Antioch Church. Some people go to Disneyland during the summer. I get to come to Antioch Church. <laughs> As uh, John mentioned, we're, we're, we're family. Some of you might be new to Antioch Church, so you don't know the story, so let me just tell the story. Uh, back in 1980, uh, I came to Los Angeles to go to Bible College, at Life Bible College downtown. And uh, very quickly, my favorite professor was this amazing guy, amazing teacher. His name was John Amstutz. Not your pastor, but his dad. And uh, he was my favorite professor. Then he became my even more favorite professor when I found out his oldest daughter was a student in the college, and she was really beautiful. And so we started dating. We got married. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Anyhow, when I started dating her, I would go over to this, uh, her house, and I found out she has two other sisters and a younger brother named John. And when I first met uh, this young junior high kid, I had no idea at that point uh, how significant and how important he would become in my life. Uh, he would become more than a brother-in-law, uh, more than a brother, just... Uh, one of my dearest friends in all of the world, our hearts so synced together. And um, after I graduated from seminary, I went back to teach at Life Bible College, and uh, Johnny, I call him, uh, was my student for four years. Kim was one of my students. Uh, John and Denise were students of mine. I saw Denise here somewhere. Where's Denise? Yeah, yeah, I saw her back over there. Yeah, uh, so I saw John and Kim. They paired off. They got married had Courtney, had Jordan. It's just been a, such a blessing to watch what God has done in their life. Um, I have so many memories of your pastor, but let me, let me tell you just one. I don't know if he's ever told you this story. Uh, it's such an amazing moment. When in 1984, uh, when I graduated from Life Bible College, um, I was uh, privileged to be selected to be the class night speaker. Those days, uh, on the Sunday night after graduation, the senior class from Life Bible College held a church service at Angelus Temple. It was live on the radio. And they would select someone from the class to be the speaker, and I was chosen to be the speaker that night. And I remember all of Colleen's family uh, being there. And, and I preached that night on Jeremiah 1 and verse 5. Before you were born, I knew you. I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. And I remember preaching my heart out that night, and at the end, I just said, you know, if there's anybody here who feels the call of God on their life, come forward because we want to pray for you, you know. And I had no idea uh, that when I opened my eyes and I looked down, um, 
there was Johnny, 15 years old, with tears in his eyes. And I remember making my way down, and his mom and his dad, and Colleen and I, and his sisters, we just gathered around Johnny and began to pray. And there was something burning in his heart that night, and um, who knew in that moment what God was going to do through your pastor? And literally, you know, his trips to Africa and Haiti and China, he's, he's been a spokesman to the nations, and it just shows what God can do in a person's life. Um, I get to speak in a lot of different places. I know a lot of very well-known pastors, and I, I just want you to know you have one of the greatest pastors in America. I love Johnny. Prouder than proud of him. And so I, whenever I get to stand right here where he teaches, it's just such a blessing to me. Well, how many of you brought a Bible? Uh, let me see all of the Bibles. Okay, now I know I'm in Antioch Church because we studied the Bible here. All right, please open in your Bible, if you will, to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. As I was praying about what the Lord wanted us to study together today, he, he very strongly put on my heart that we were to study through Psalm 107 together. I believe this message is for so many of you here today. And the title of our Bible study is God Answers Prayer. God Answers Prayer. And as we come to study this psalm together, let's bow our hearts in prayer, and as we come to pray, if you'll do me a great favor, if you'll just hold your open Bible out in front of you, I would really appreciate that. Let's pray, can we? God, we cannot find the words to describe how much we love this book we hold. There are not enough words in all of the languages of the world to describe how great your word is. Lord, we thank you so much for this book. So many times when we were confused and didn't know what to do, we opened the pages of this book and it gave us wisdom from above. So many times when we were down and discouraged and we just felt like giving up, Lord, we opened the pages of this book and it brought to us hope and assurance and peace. Lord, we thank you for this book. It is the greatest book in the world. It is the greatest book in all of human history for this book. And only this book is the word of the living God, the very breath of God. We thank you, Lord, each and every time we come to study the Holy Spirit comes alongside to open our minds and our hearts to your truth. And so we pray that would be the case today as we study Psalm 107, we pray you would make the book live. And we will thank you, Lord. We will bless you. And we will praise you for it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It happened when I was just 16 years old, but it is a moment I will never forget as long as I will live. Just before the moment I want to talk to you about, a few weeks before that, I had received um, the most precious possession any 16-year-old young man 
can have, and that is a driver's license. And I remember uh, driving the car here and there and everywhere, just enjoying driving and having that freedom. And one Saturday night, I got a call from my older cousin, and he said, Larry, he said, tomorrow I'm going to drive up to hear our Uncle Willie preach. Would you like to go with me? And I said, oh, that would be great. Um, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and my uncle, Uncle Willie, pastored a church in Hood River about 150 miles away. And um, I'll never forget that Sunday morning. It was a very cold Oregon morning, and my cousin pulled up in his car in front of our house, and uh, I went out to meet him, and then he asked me, uh, Larry, would you like to drive? Well... Asking a 16-year-old young man who just got his driver's license if he wanted to drive was like asking my wife, do you want chocolate ice cream? <laughs> of course. And I remember uh, we got on the Interstate 5 and started driving. We had been driving about, uh, about two hours. We'd gone about 100 miles. We were just south of Portland, Oregon, and I was in the center lane of a four-lane highway. We had just gone underneath an overpass when suddenly and without warning, we hit a patch of black ice, and the nose of the car that I was driving veered and slammed into the center concrete divider, and the impact spun the car around. There we were skidding backwards on the freeway. There I was, a 16-year-old, totally inexperienced driver looking into four lanes of oncoming traffic. I can't even describe to you what it felt like in that moment. I didn't have time to think, but it just came out of me. I just cried out in that moment. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And I cannot explain to you what happened next. All of a sudden, that car spun around, moved over to the side of the freeway, slowed down, and stopped. And I assure you, it's not because I was such a great driver. <laughs> it was a miracle. God had spared my life and the life of my cousin. And I learned that day what I have seen over and over and over so many times in my life. And that is that God hears and answers prayer. Though no matter who you are and no matter where you are and no matter what is going on, it doesn't have to be a long prayer. But if we will cry out to God, he will hear and answer our prayer. Jesus said that we ought to pray always and not faint. That we ought to pray and pray and keep on praying and not stop praying. But I don't know about you. I find in my own life that sometimes I'll pray for a circumstance or a situation or a person, and I'll pray and pray and keep praying. But then when I don't see the 
answer come, then, uh, then I stop praying. I find in my own life that I often need an encouragement, a reminder to keep praying and praying and praying. And this is why Psalm 107 is so loved by God's people because it is a psalm that encourages us to keep on praying. It is a psalm that reminds us that God hears and answers prayer. Four times in this psalm you find this incredible phrase. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses four times. Look at it. In verse 6, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Verse 13, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 19, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out. He saved them out of their distresses. You you get the point that God wants us to know that when you cry out to the Lord in trouble, he will hear you and he will answer your prayer. Four times we find this phrase because in this psalm, it's as if we are transported to four different places. We're going to see, you begin reading the psalm when, when all of a sudden in verses 4 to 9, you are transported out into the middle of the wilderness. And there you find some fainting travelers. They're desperate for food and water. And they cry out to God and he hears and answers their prayer. Well, God not only no sooner hears and answers their prayer, then all of a sudden you are transported in verses 10 to 16 to a dungeon. And there you find people that are bound in chains and they need to be set free. And they cry out to God in their trouble and he hears them and he breaks the chains and he sets them free. But he no sooner sets them free when all of a sudden you're transported to another place. You're transported to a sick bed in verse 17 to 22. And there you see a person who's so sick they're about to die. And on their sickbed, they cry out to God in their trouble. And he heals them and restores them. Well, he no sooner heals them and restores them when all of a sudden, verses 23 to 32, you're transported out into the middle of the ocean. And there you find some sailors on a storm. They're in the worst storm of their life. And they cry out to God. And he brings a peace to the ocean. And he rescues them from their trouble. Four times you find this phrase, then they cried out to the Lord. And the whole of this psalm is to remind us that no matter who you are, and no matter where you are, in every single circumstance and situation, if you cry out to God, you will find out that he will hear and answer your prayer. Now this incredible psalm, 
It is believed it was written by Ezra at the very end of Old Testament history. You remember the story of the Old Testament after Adam and Eve and Noah and the flood. And there's Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. They go into Egypt and then there's Moses and there is Joshua and then there's all the judges and then the kings. There's Saul and David and Solomon and then the kingdom divides. And both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are taken into captivity, the southern kingdom, finally to the Babylonian in 586 B.C. And for 70 years, they're in captivity. But they cry out to the Lord, and he brings them back to the land. And Zerubbabel helps them rebuild the temple, and Ezra and Nehemiah help them rebuild the walls and the city. And it is believed that this psalm was written by Ezra at the very end of the Old Testament, because he is looking back, and he wants the people of God to look back across the whole of the Old Testament. And it's as if he writes to them the psalm to say, if there's anything you learn from the Bible, it is that God hears and answers prayer. Look then at this amazing psalm. Notice how it begins. In verse 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. All the time, God is good, and God is good all the time. How many would say amen to that? God is gooder than good. And if you ever doubt that, if you ever question that, just look at the new next phrase. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy, NIV says his love, New American Standard says his loving kindness is forever. In Lamentation chapter 3 and verse 22, Jeremiah found him safe in a terrible situation. The city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. But Jeremiah, he exclaims, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. It is new every morning. Oh, I got a good word for you. Last night when you were sleeping, God was not. And he was thinking about how he was going to bless you today how he was going to be good to you today, how he was going to be merciful to you today. God is good and his mercy endures forever. And that is why he saves and delivers his people. So in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he's redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and the west and the north. In the south, notice in verse 2, this little phrase, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I like that. Not think so, not feel so, but say so. The redeemed of the Lord, who's that? Well, redeemed, that word in the Bible, often is used of a person that was in slavery, another gracious person paid the amount to get them out of that slavery and then set them free. It's a picture of our salvation. But the word translated redeem, ga'al in Hebrew, is a much broader term than that. 
better translated the rescued, the saved, the delivered. In other words, if God has ever rescued you, if he's ever saved you, if he's ever delivered you, if he's ever helped you, if God has ever answered your prayer, say so. Let the saved of the Lord say so. I remember as a young boy growing up in a small church and the church that we were a part of. And as a part of the Sunday night service, they used to have what they called testimony time. Testimony time. And I used to love testimony time. Even as a young boy, you know, they would sing a few songs of worship or whatever. And then the pastor would again say, it's, it's testimony time. And brother so-and-so, he would stand up at the back and he would say, I, I just want to give a testimony tonight. He, he said, you know, many of you know I, I, I was out of a job and you've been praying for me. And I just want you to know, God provided a job for me this week. And everybody, Awesome. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then sister so-and-so would stand up and say, you know what, many of you have been praying for over a year for my prodigal son. I just want all of you to know, he came back. <laughs> oh, everybody would applaud. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then brother so-and-so would say, you know, many of you heard that my aunt was sick. <laughs> and you've been praying for her. I just want you to know God healed her. And everybody, <sighs> oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God has ever heard and answered your prayer, tell, tell about it. Declare that God is good. Declare that his mercy endures forever. And if you ever wonder whether God hears and answers prayer, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the psalmist transports you to four different places, four different circumstances and situations, so you can be reminded that no matter who you are and where you are, God will hear and answer your prayer. The first place you're transported to is way out in the wilderness, in verses 4 through 9. And there you find fainting travelers. They're desperate for food and water, and they cry out to the Lord, and God hears them. In verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses, and he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. When you and I need provision, God will hear and answer our prayer. Now, the Old Testament saints, when, when they read this portion of the psalm, they couldn't help. But think of the children of Israel out in the wilderness. They'd come out of Egypt. They were going to go into the promised land. But here they are for 40 years wandering in the wilderness. It is believed there were some 3 million of them. Question, how much food and water does it take to provide for 3 million people? Answer, a lot. <laughs> but they cried out to God. 
And in their desperate need, God brought bread from heaven. He brought water out of the rock. He answered their prayer. New Testament believers, when they read this portion of the psalm, they couldn't help but think of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men. The Bible says there were 5,000 men. With women and children, some 20,000 people. Question, how much food does it take to feed 20,000 people? Answer, a lot. A lot. Unless Jesus is there, and all of a sudden, five loaves and two fish is enough to feed all of those people. And dear ones, if God provided for Israel and Jesus provided for them, he will provide for you and he will provide for me. The Bible says in Philippians 4 and verse 19, my God will, not may, not might, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 37, verse 25. David says, I was young, but now I'm old. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen their seed begging for bread. As we gather today, I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you don't know where the money for the bills is going to come from. All I know is the Bible tells us here that if you have a need and you cry out to God, he will hear and answer your prayer. And if there's anybody who knew that, it was a great man in church history named George Mueller. In the 1800s, there was a great man of God in London. His name was George Mueller. He's a great man of faith. And he founded all these orphanages that were there that cared for thousands of young orphans. And he learned to walk by faith. He would never ask for money or provision. He would just pray. And the Lord was always so faithful to answer his prayers. I like his biography. The title of his biography says it all. (laughs) It's a great book. It's called A Million and a Half Answers to Prayer. A million and a half answers to prayer. And in that book, he tells the wonderful story about what happened one morning when there in the orphanage, they had run out of food. They didn't have anything in the cupboards. And so Mr. Mueller got all of the children, and he put them in their places and put plates out on the tables. And one little girl looked at him and said, Mr. Mueller, what's for breakfast this morning? He looked at her and smiled. He said, little one, He said, we're going to pray, and you will see what our Heavenly Father will provide. And he began to pray, oh, Lord, you promise that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, Lord, we've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Oh, Lord, open the windows of heaven and begin to provide for these precious children. He's praying along, and all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. He goes to the door. He opens the door. It's the town baker from down the street. He says, Mr. Mueller, God woke me up at 3 o'clock this morning and told me that your orphans were going to need some bread today, and I baked all this extra bread. Could you use this bread? Oh, yes, he said. Thank you so much. What an answer to prayer. And he began to place the bread out on the plates of the children that were there, and he just put out the last bit of bread when all of a sudden... There's another knock on the door. (laughs) He goes to the door. He opens the door. 
gets the milkman. He, he says, Mr. Mueller, my, for some reason, my milk cart broke down just right across from your orphanage here. He said, all of the milk on the cart is going to spoil and go bad. Is there any way that your orphans could use this milk? Oh, yes, he said, thank you so much. What an answer to prayer. Dear ones, I've come with a good word today. I've come to tell you that if you need provision, if you cry out to God, he will hear and answer your prayer. But in Psalm 107, God no sooner answers the prayer for provision. He no sooner answers prayer in the wilderness when all of a sudden you are transported deep down into a dark dungeon. And you find someone there who is bound in chains, who needs to be set free. This is what we see in verse 10 to 16. In verse 10, those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze, and he has cut the bars of iron in two. When anyone is bound and needs to be set free, if they will cry out to God, he will hear and answer their prayer. The Old Testament saints, when they read this portion of the psalm, they couldn't help. But think about what happened when they went into their captivity to Assyria and Babylon. Because that's exactly what happened. They were carried away. They were put in chains. They were put in these deep, dark dungeons, and they cried out to God, and God delivered them out of that and set them free. And if he did that for them, he can do it for anyone. The New Testament believers, when they read this portion of Psalm 103, they couldn't help but think of the demoniac of Gadara described in Mark chapter 5. Jesus and the disciples are cutting across the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, and they land on the northeast corner in a place called Gadara. And all of a sudden, this man possessed with demons comes running out toward them. Ah! And Jesus said, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many. A legion was 6,000 Roman soldiers. I, take, I see no good reason not to take the Bible literally, that that man was possessed with 6,000 demons. And Jesus spoke a word and set that demon-possessed man free in an instant. And it shows that if God could deliver his people in the Old Testament, and he could deliver that demon-possessed man, he can deliver anyone. No one is too far gone. No one is too bound for God to set that person free. Maybe you've been praying for a person who's bound by drugs. Don't stop praying. Maybe you've been praying for a person who's bound by alcohol. Do not stop praying for that person. Maybe you're praying for a person who's bound 
by pornography or some sort, sort of sexual addiction. Listen, do not stop praying for that person because Jesus can set them free in an instant. And my good friend Raul Reese, who I work with, Pastor Raul Reese over at Calvary Chapel in Diamond Noir, he has a son, his name is Ryan. And when Ryan was younger, he decided he was going to rebel against the ways of the Lord, and he did. And he went out into the world for 19 years. He was out in the world taking every kind of drug you can imagine, all kinds of sexual addictions. But in a hotel room in Panama City, after 19 years, he got down on his knees, and instantly God set him free. And what God did for his people in the Old Testament, what Jesus did for the demoniac, what, what Jesus did for Ryan Reese, he can do for any person if they will simply call out to God. No prodigal is too far gone to come back when God's people cry out to him in prayer. Listen, there's no place that's so deep, so dark, that God cannot reach that person right there. And if there's anybody in the world who knew that, it was a woman named Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom wrote a great book called The Hiding Place. You never read that book? You should buy that book this week and read that book. When Billy Graham read that book, he said, we've got to make a movie out of this. And they did. You can go online and watch it on YouTube for free. It's an amazing story. It's such an amazing story. My wife, Colleen, and I try to read that book every single year. It will so inspire you, convict you, encourage you. It's the story of the Ten Boom family during those horrible days of World War II when the Nazis were trying to exterminate the Jews. The Ten Booms, they lived in Holland. They had a watchmaking shop on the first floor, and above they had their living quarters. They believed the Jews were God's people, and they wanted to do everything they could do to help them. And so what they did is they carved a hole in the wall of one of the bedrooms upstairs and created a secret compartment. They created a hiding place. And they would hide the Jews away there, and then they would smuggle them out. Well, someone told on them, the Gestapo found out, came and arrested all of them and sent them out to prison camps. And Corey and her sister Betsy were sent to that notorious prison camp called Ravensbrück. So deep, so dark, so horrible, so terrible was that place beyond describing. The most impacting part of the book... The most impacting part of the movie is when Betsy says to her sister, Corey, Corey, it's okay. God's going to set us free. And when he gets us out of here, we're going to travel all over the world and we're going to tell people this. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And it happened. Betsy got out because God took her to heaven. <laughs> and Corey got out and began to go all around the world. And to describe what Psalm 107 is saying, that there is no pit so deep that when you cry out to God, his love, his grace, his mercy, his power is not deeper still. Well, God answered prayer in the wilderness. God answered prayer in the dungeon. And now all of a sudden, you're transported 
to a sick bed, to a hospital, as it were. And there's a person on this sick bed. They're so sick. They're about ready to die, but they call out to God in prayer, and he hears them. This is what we see in verse 17 to 22. Look there. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. So sick, they didn't want any, anything to eat. And they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Here, here the psalmist telling us that if a person is sick or if we know someone who is sick, if we will call out to God in prayer, he will hear and he will heal his people. The Old Testament saints... <laughs> When they're reading this portion of Psalm 107, they couldn't help but think of a king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king in the Old Testament, and yet he got sick. So sick, he was about to die. And the Lord sent Isaiah the prophet to Hezekiah, and here's... Here's what the Lord said to Isaiah. Go tell him he's not going to recover. He's going to die. And Isaiah went, to the, Isaiah went to the royal palace, and he went into the chamber of the king, and he said, King, I'm so sorry, but the Lord has spoken to me that you're not going to recover from this illness. You're going to die. Isaiah said, I'm so sorry. He turned around and went to leave the palace. And the Bible says, King Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and he began to cry out to God in prayer. Lord, please, don't let me die. God, please, heal me. God, please, answer my prayer. Isaiah is walking across the courtyard, heading out of the royal palace, when all of a sudden the Lord says, stop. Turn around and go back. Tell Hezekiah, I've heard his cry, and I'm going to heal him. And God did heal him. Why? Because God healed hears and answers the prayers of his people. Oh, New Testament believers, when they're reading this portion of the psalm, they couldn't help but think of Jesus healing the centurion servant. You remember the story. In Luke chapter 7, there's the centurion, and he has a servant. The servant is about to die, and so the centurion sends some messengers to Jesus you know, my servant's sick and about to die. Could you come and pray for him? So Jesus starts to make his way, and the centurion hears news about it, and he sends some more messengers, and he says, tell Jesus not to come all the way to the house. All he has to do is say the word. And like the psalm says, he sent his word, and he healed them. Listen, my Bible says in Exodus 15, verse 26, God says, I am the Lord who healeth thee. Healing is not just what God does. It's his very name. His very name is Jehovah Rapha. And we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't understand when we pray. Sometimes God doesn't heal some people. But that's not going to stop me from praying for every single person that God would bring healing on their life. Because I've seen God heal again and again and again. 
And if there's anybody who knows that, your pastor and our family, we know that. Because your pastor, his mom's mom, we called her Granny Mac. Years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. And they predicted that she was going to die. And we, we just felt in our heart. Sometimes God takes people home. We understand that. But we just felt in our heart this wasn't the time that the Lord wanted to heal her. And so we began to really pray. And early one morning, Granny Mac, she was open. She was up and she was reading her devotions in her Bible. And, and all of a sudden, Psalm 118, verse 17, jumped off the page. It says this, You will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of God. And we prayed. And God healed her. God healed her. Now, later God took her to heaven. She's in heaven now. She got perfect healing. But I'm here to tell you today that if you're sick, if there are those you know who are sick, if you call out to God, He is a God who hears and answers prayer. God not only answers prayer in the wilderness, God not only answers prayer in the dungeon, God not only answers prayer in the sick bed. Now all of a sudden, in verse 23 to verse 32, you're transported out into the middle of the ocean. And there's some sailors, experienced sailors out there who find themselves in the worst storm of their life. And they find out that God answers prayer even in the middle of the ocean. Oh, look at it in verse 23 to verse 32. Verse 23, those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and he raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro. They stagger like a drunken man. You, you can just almost feel the seasickness, right? You're going up and you're going down and they're going to and fro on the deck. And notice, if you will, notice, if you will, verse 26, their soul melts because of trouble. Notice verse 27. They are at their wits. And what do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, you cry out to God. Verse 28. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that the waves are still. And they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Listen, this shows us that God hears and answers the prayers of people in the middle of the storm, and he will bring them peace in the middle of their storm. Now, the Old Testament saints, when they read this part of the psalm, they couldn't help but think of Job. There's a person. There's a person who was in a storm. Everything was so great in his life. And then all of a sudden, in one day, everything changed. He lost all of his children. He lost all of his possession. His wife and his friends turned against him. But Job cried out to the Lord. And the Lord restored to Job everything that he had lost and gave him even more. 
Oh, New Testament believers, when they read this portion of Psalm 107, they couldn't help but think of Jesus on the stormy sea of Galilee. <laughs> there he is, Mark 4 says, in the back of the boat, he's asleep, and they come in this terrible storm, and the disciples wake him up, help! <laughs> Jesus, 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 help us! <laughs> and Jesus speaks to the wind and the wave, peace, be still, and there was an instant calm. Why? Because when you find yourself in the worst storm of your life, if you call out to God, he will hear and answer your prayers we gather today. I don't know what situation you're in. Maybe, maybe you're like verse 27 here, at your wit's end. I've been there so many times in my life. And I've gone before God and said, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I tried this thing and that thing and the other thing. God, I even Googled it, and I still don't know what to do. <laughs> what do you do? You call out to God in prayer. Psalm 50 and verse 15. Here's what God says. Call unto me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Well, God has answered prayer in the wilderness. God has answered prayer in the dungeon. God has answered prayer at the sickbed. God has answered prayer out in the ocean. So what happens in verse 33 to verse 42 is as if the psalmist says, no matter where you are, <laughs> God can turn it around. Notice what he says. He says he turns the rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. That's exactly what they had seen happen when they went into captivity. But then all of a sudden, it turned around. Verse 35, he turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and multiplies greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. But he sets the poor on high, far from affliction. And he makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice. And all iniquity stops its mouth. Then verse 43, notice how this great psalm ends. Whoever is wise, whoever is wise, they will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Whoever is wise will observe these things. Observe what things? When you're in the wilderness, you cry out to God. He'll answer your prayer. When you're in the dungeon, you cry out to God. He will answer your prayer. When you're in sickbed, you cry out to God. He will answer your prayer. When you're in the storm and you cry out to God, He will answer your prayer. Whoever's wise, they know. They know that no matter who you are and no matter where you are, God's help is only a prayer away. I know of more, no more dramatic 
impacting, unforgettable illustration of that, of what Psalm 107 is teaching us, than the true story of a woman named Janelle McMillan. It's told in a great book I encourage everybody to read by Jim Simbler, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City, a great book called Breakthrough Prayer. In that book, he tells this story. I finish with this story. She writes, The morning of September 11th, 2001, began for me like many others. I got to work a little after 9 a.m. and rode the elevator to the 64th floor of the North Tower of the World Trade Center where I worked. I was making small talk with a coworker when I heard a loud explosion. I had no idea that American Airlines Flight 11 had just slammed into the building. A few moments later, the building began swaying and rocking. Oh my God, I said, this building's going down. Knowing we had to leave, we headed to stairway B. As we ran down together, we kept counting the stairs. 63, 62, 61, 60, 59, 58, down and down and down we went. And as we went down the stairs, we could see the firefighters going up the stairs. When we reached the 13th floor, all of a sudden, the whole building just went boom. Everything went black, and the building started to collapse. 110 floors were coming down on top of us. Falling concrete and debris smashed me down onto my knees, and my eyes and mouth were filled with grit and dust. It was surreal, like a horrible dream. We were being buried alive, and the sound of it was deafening. Then as suddenly as it started, it stopped. And things got quiet, really quiet. My mind started racing. I thought of my husband, my children, my family, and how I would never see them again. So there, all alone, in the dark, and under all that rubble, I began to pray. Oh, God, help me. Help me, Lord. Please let me live. Please. Let them find me. The minute seems like hours and the hours like days. But then I heard the sound of rescue workers above me. I began crying out, help me, help me, help me. Finally, someone yelled back, hello? Hello? Is someone in there? Yes, I said, my name is Janelle. Help me. By now, I could see a bit of daylight coming through a crack. So I stuck my hand up through it. Can you see my hand? I said. Someone grabbed a hold of it. <laughs> Janelle, I've got you. You're going to be all right. Oh, thank you, Lord, I prayed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 
she writes, it had been 27 hours since the towers collapsed and I, Janelle McMillan, was the last survivor to be pulled out of the wreckage that had once been the World Trade Center towers. I spent weeks in the hospital recovering. The doctor said I'd never walk again, but I do. And I am living proof that God's help is only a prayer away, that whoever you are and wherever you are, if you will cry out to God, he will hear and answer your prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Psalm 107. It's powerful, impacting psalm that reminds us you hear and answer prayer. And Lord, as we finish our time together today, we don't want to just study the Bible. We want to act on the Bible. And so Lord, as we just come to take a moment to pray, Together, we pray you would meet us right here in this place as you have met your people. So many places, at so many times, in so many situations through the years. Hear our cry and answer our prayer. As we're just waiting on the Lord in prayer, I felt so much we were supposed to finish today by praying for any of you who need prayer, who want prayer. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself out in the middle of the wilderness and you need provision. You need a job. You don't know how you're going to make ends meet. You need prayer. Maybe it's somebody you know who needs God's provision. Maybe as we gather together today, you find yourself in that dungeon situation. Maybe there's something that, some addiction, some way that you're bound in your life. Or maybe it's somebody you know. Maybe you have a prodigal who's out in the world you're so far from God and you want prayer. Maybe you're here today and it's, it's that sick bed. <laughs> maybe you have an illness or maybe it's someone you know who has an illness. You want prayer. Or maybe as we gather together, you're in the middle of a storm, the worst storm of your life. Or maybe it's somebody you know. They find themselves tossing and turning and at their wit's end and they need prayer. If you need prayer today, if, if it's someone you know who needs prayer, I want to ask you to do something so simple. I want to ask you to do what Janelle Mamillan did under all that rubble that was the World Trade Center towers. She stuck her hand up. She reached up. And if you need prayer today or somebody you know needs prayer today, right now, all over this place, I want you to just stick up your hand right now. Just stick up your hand heaven. Say, Lord, I need your help. There's somebody I know who needs your help. Oh, God, you see all of these hands. You see my hands. So many of us, Lord, there are circumstances and situations that are so far beyond us, and we, we thank you that you are a God who hears and answers the prayers of your people. And Lord, for those who have their hands up because of the the need of provision, Lord, whether it's them or those they love, we pray you would open the windows of heaven and you would pour out a blessing, Lord, 
on your people, provide jobs and income and open doors, whatever it might be. Lord, for those of us who have our hands raised high because it's a dungeon situation, there's somebody we know is so bound in sin, or maybe it's some struggle we have in our own life. We thank you, Lord, that you can turn that all around in an instant. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Lord, we pray for those who have a hand up, and it's that sick bed. Lord, maybe there is somebody here today, and they, they've been given a report by the doctor. It's not a good report, or maybe it's somebody they love. We thank you. You are the great physician. We thank you. Nothing is impossible with you. And we call out to you, Lord, the one whose very name is Jehovah Rapha, Lord, that you would bring healing. And Lord, finally, for those who might have a hand up because they're in the middle of a storm, and maybe it's somebody they know in the storm, and the waves are just throwing them all over the place, Lord, we thank you that you can step into the middle of that storm and say, peace, be still. We pray a great calm would come over your people, a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, for all of us, we just want to say thank you for reminding us today to pray and not stop praying because you are a God who hears and answers prayer. Lord, of all of the things Antioch Church might be known for, I pray this place would be known as a house of prayer where people call on you in prayer and when people pray together with each other. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you you've done great things in the past and yet greater things are yet to come. I really believe that. Bless Pastor John and Kim as they're away and bring them back. Just refresh, renewed, ready for the next season of the good things you have in store. Lord, bless your people today. May they leave this house uplifted, strengthened, and encouraged in you. We thank and praise you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. God bless amen. you guys Can we so thank much. Pastor Larry? Thank you so much.